0: Well again, good to see you on this Lord's Day. We have some folks visiting with us today and uh, make sure you get to them, make them feel a part of our service and uh, part of our worship. We have been looking this quarter at practical Christian living. Uh, Jonathan, next Sunday, will begin a four-part series on marriage and the family and he'll begin it in the first service and then from there on out he'll be using the second service to do that. Well I wanted to to speak to you on this issue of giving and it's a, a topic that you don't hear much of. Um, it's a topic that maybe there's too much assumption by preachers in the pulpit. I've heard heard one preacher say I've, I've preached in this church for 40 years and I've I've never talked about giving. Well, you didn't preach the whole council. Okay, you, you've got a responsibility. If the Bible addresses it, then we got to talk about it, alright? And that's this is it. So, today on one side, it's going to be to relieve you of something. We're going to be looking at the tithe. Uh, I asked the Wednesday night group to pray. I was thinking about whether to move this to next Sunday when it's uh, just the discipleship time and look at it because it's a little bit technical. But I think the entire church needs to hear this. I think we need to to walk through it and, and be honest with where Scripture is. Now, Stephen said to me, I wouldn't make a good Pentecostal preacher. And that's probably on several fronts, but especially on this issue of giving. So, on one side of the equation, we're going to look at something that's I think will, for some of you, may oh wow, you relieve that, I don't have to do that. Yeah, it gets worse. <laughs> I think when we finish, you'd say, you you would rather say, let me go back, let me go back to the tithe. Let, let me do it that way. Is that what the Lord requires? Is that how we're to give? That's a good question. And we want to be honest about it. Um, some have said through the years, that if you, if you teach this, people will stop giving. I don't believe it. Any more than I think if you teach salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, uh, through the glory of God alone, people will stop witnessing. I don't believe that. I believe people will witness more. The belief in salvation by grace alone doesn't doesn't hinder missions, it guarantees missions. Okay? So if we can get our head around what our giving's supposed to be, I think on one side it re it will it will free us in the sense of I'm not under bondage. I'm under grace, God set me free under that. At the same time it puts a burden upon us. That we're honest before the Lord. Can we truly sing the song we just sang? All right. I give my all to follow thee. Is that true? Is that true in our finances? Is that the way that we give? Well, so take your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going we're gonna to start here because you'll see the, the, the part we're going to deal with, and then we're going to springboard into the Old Testament. And it's going to go fast. I want you to follow with me as we work our way through the Old Testament. So let's, let's begin in uh, chapter uh, 8, 2 Corinthians 8. We'll pick up in verse 1. Paul, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, wrote to the church at Corinth. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches at Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means. And and I can testify to that. And beyond their means of their own accord... Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus, that as he has started, so should he complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything in faith... In speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love for you, and our love for you, see that you excel in this grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work but also you desired to do it so now finish doing it so well so that your readiness in your desiring may be matched by your completing it out of what you have for if the readiness is there it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what he does not have for I do not mean that others should be eased and you're burdened But that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need so that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathers much has nothing left over and whoever whoever gathered little had no lack. Now look over at chapter 9, just two verses, verses 6 and 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly shall reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. For each one must give as he's decided in his heart. Underline that. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart. Not reluctantly. Not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this text. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, um, to come before the text willingly with, a, with an open heart to say, Lord, teach me today. And, and not teaching just for knowledge. Maybe not just teaching to change some manner in which we operate. But Father, that our desire is that the Lord would be glorified in everything. It is all by grace. We, we are saved by grace alone. We, we live by grace. And Father, we want to learn, we give by grace. And as Paul says, see that we excel in this grace also. So Father, bless our time together. Give us ears to hear. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We look first of all in chapter 8. Look at verse 1. We, we took note that this giving is driven by grace. I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches at Macedonia. Verse 6, so should complete among you this act of grace. Verse 7, see that you excel in this, this act of grace also. We, we talked about that, that giving is this issue of grace. It's your response to grace. God, is, God has shed grace in us. God has saved us by grace. And our response to that is that we, we are just His. We belong to Him. At the same time, there's another element of that grace that I think we can miss. That it's also this giving is not only a response to that grace, but it is a grace of God shed in our hearts, just like salvation is. God God awakens us. God is the one who takes His Word through the ministry of the Spirit and and opens our eyes to the text and opens our eyes and our hearts and we surrender. That's the issue. So I want that grace to exceed to you as well. That God would work in your heart this grace that you would exceed in this act of grace also. We see secondly in verse 2 that it was in the severe test of affliction. That giving is also in difficult circumstances. If you wait to give when everything's right, guess what? You won't give. And so here's the church. And this church, the ones at Macedonia, the one he's talking about, people should have been taking up offerings for them. Instead of them giving to others. That's what Paul's talking about to them. Even in their poverty, even in their difficult circumstances, they found it to give. Number three, in, in the second part of verse 2, that it was their abundance of joy. It was out of the, adep- the depth of joy to give. Have you, have you ever had that happen? That someone presents a need and, and you actually had it in your hand to give at that point and what joy that it produced in you, what what out of joy that you... Did. that I've shared this story, story before, but I'll, I'll do it again. My dad, we went to the bank. We only had one bank in our little town, 900 people, and First Citizens Bank. And my dad and I walked in and... Right on the floor outside the, the teller's booth was a $100 bill. Right there. Nobody else in the bank. My dad picked it up and said, somebody dropped that. The bank president, bank manager comes out, who knew my dad, and he said, let me put it in an envelope and, and we'll hold it for you. And somebody will come back and get it. Well, in 1965, 66, $100 was still worth $100. Okay. And so we forgot about it. And came in the bank on Friday. My dad was principal of the school, so every Friday he was coming in to make a deposit. So he comes in, and the bank guy said, uh, Mr. Johnson, can you come back here? So I went back there, and he says, uh, Here you go. And my dad really, really didn't know what was in the envelope. He said, What are you giving me? He said, That $100. He said, What $100? The $100 you found a month ago. Nobody ever came in to claim it. Huh. I remember my dad looking at me and said, I wonder what the Lord has in store for that. <laughs> Put it in his pocket. We get to church Sunday, and that Sunday was Gideon Sunday. And we got to hear about the Gideons, to which my dad became a part of. Of just placing Bibles, that God's word is sufficient to reach the souls of men without a word. And at the end of the service, they said, We're going to take up a special offering. My dad took out his wallet and opened it up, and there was a $100 bill, and he nudged me. I knew what he was saying. We took that hundred dollars and put it in. Never a word. Wasn't marked envelope. It was it was it was it was not so that your giving could be seen. And they that night we came back to church and they they bragged that night about how much offering had come in for the Gideons. $125. <laughs> I tell you the joy that was on my dad's face, that it was just to be a funnel of that. This is them. It was out a depth of joy that they got to minister to the saints in Jerusalem. Number three, it was in the third part of verse 2, it was, it was in their extreme poverty. It wasn't just difficult circumstances. These, these people should have been the ones that were getting out offerings taken up for them. We see this in Africa when we go to see those saints ministering to each other, giving of themselves to each other out of their own poverty They still give. Last part of verse 2. And overflowed in the wealth of generosity on their part. It was a singleness of heart. That's what he's talking about. A sincerity. A singleness of heart. A a wealth of riches. Both spiritual as well as material. Beginning of verse 3 and 4. They gave according to their means. They gave within their ability. You can't give what you don't have. Some of you today, if we we were taking up an offering and somebody said, hey, we need a thousand dollars. Some of you could write a check for a thousand dollars. Some of you can't write a check for a dollar today. Okay? And we're all over the place, right? We, we just... So you can't write a check for what you don't have. And so he's telling these people that they give according to their ability. They, they couldn't give all that they wanted to. They just had this little bit to give. Think of the widow, the old lady in the, in, in the tabernacle and she just gave just a little bit. And the Lord said she gave all that she had. She couldn't give in abundance. She just gave according to her ability. But it also says that they gave beyond their ability, as I testify, beyond their means. They gave sacrificially. I'm, I'm sure they thought, well, I was going to use that money to buy candles. I was going, I was going to use that money to buy some, some some bread, but maybe the Lord will take care of me. I, Lord, I'll live by faith. I'll I'll, I'll give. So they gave, driven by grace, in difficult circumstances, out of depth of joy, even the depth of poverty, with singleness of heart, within their ability and beyond their ability. But I want you to notice into verse 3, of their own accord. This is number 8 in our list of how we're to give. It was to be given voluntarily, of their own accord. Look over at verse 17. Of the same chapter, I believe. For He not only accepted our appeal, but being Himself even entrusted, He is going to you of His own accord. That's all I want you to see. And then also in verse 7 of chapter... um, No, chapter 2, verse 7. is used again. You'll have to turn to it. Voluntarily. They were not coerced. They were not manipulated, they were not intimidated, they gave freely. Chapter 9 and verse 2 is where I wanted to go. Chapter 9 and verse 2, I know of your readiness and I boast about you to the people of Macedonia saying that Achaia had been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Mm. They were compelled to by concern and care and love and compassion and obedience. And it led them to be willing to be, one, to be dependent upon God, and number two, to believe God would supply all of their needs according to his riches and glory. I remember Laverne saying one time, he said, When you, when you guys get sick, you go to the emergency room or you go to the doctor. When our people get sick, we call the church to pray she was captivated one time that Juma had he has asthma, stopped breathing and he, they called mom to see if she could get medicine and she's three hours away and she had no gas in the car, the gas station wasn't open and she called in frustration to say to say to, say to my Priscilla, I'm sorry I can't come and she said, that's okay mom the church has come well, what are they doing? they've, they've encircled the house and they're going to pray. It'll be okay, Mom. Next morning they called. How's Juma? he's tired. But the Lord answered the prayers of our church. That's them. They were dependent upon God, but they were believe, willing to believe all that God would do to supply all their needs. They, they, they believed Matthew 6 that Pastor Bob read for us. Of their own accord, one who chooses his own course of action but we also notice that they were stirred up as well. Their zeal had been stirred up by others according to chapter 9 verse 2. In fact if you notice in verse 4 beginning of verse 4 of 8-4 it's begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. You ever seen that? Not just I need you to give but people come up would you mind taking up an offering? I'm begging you to take up an offering. I'm begging you to take my money. This was them. You think of this out of poverty, out of, out of great difficult circumstances. They were willing of themselves and begging us for the opportunity to, to take part in the relief of the saints. They volunteered right from the heart. And as I've said, it's which is revealing giving, ultimately an issue of the heart. But what about the tithe? Are we to give like this? Are we to give? Is that, is that the platform we're giving? But what about tithe? Eric, I've been taught all my life that I'm to tithe. I'm to, 10% of my money goes to the Lord. That's what I do. I write my check of the tithe and, and, and I put it in. Now let, let me say this to you quickly. There's only one person in this church that knows what you give. And it's none of the elders. The only one that knows is Julie because she has to record it. She's under strict restriction by me. You're to tell nobody what anybody gives. And if any elder asks, you're not to answer the question. So the only people that know what you give is you, Julie, because she has to record it, but you and the Lord. You and the Lord are the only two that know. But I've seen in the past, not here, but I've seen in the past. Church, Bible Baptist, when I was there, had to help count one time, and I I saw I saw checks that were written out to the cent. $142.17. $142.17. I mean, they took the tithe to the nth degree. I'm giving 10%, exactly 10% to the penny of what I'm going to get. Is, is that the way we are supposed to do? Does a tither desire to be that way? What about the tithe? Well, let's talk about the tithe. What's the tithe. What does the word tithe mean? Both the Greek and the Hebrew word mean a tenth. It's a mathematical term. And let me say this before I get into this. I want to give thanks publicly to MacArthur and Piper and Dever and others who helped me that I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I could go back to them. They've already done some digging and I could benefit off of their trails that they laid before us. Well, let's talk about the tithe. Here's an argument about the tithe. Number one argument the tithe precedes the law. We find tithing in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it's not part of the law. Therefore, since it preceded the law, then we are to tithe as well. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. A couple of problems with that. Number one, before the law, there was an observance of the Sabbath. And what do we find in Colossians chapter 2? That no one's to restrict you about a Sabbath day. So we don't do a Sabbath in that sense. So we're not supposed to do that. We don't have to do that. That precedes the law, but we don't. We don't. We don't follow the so. Secondly, there was animal sacrifices before the law. You want to do that? I, my wife will give up a cat. Not Eustace, the one on the front porch, the one that's adopted us. Okay, are we? Are we going to go back to animal sacrifices? Because that was before the law? No. In all the periods, there has been voluntary giving and required giving in the Scriptures. In Genesis, the tithe was not required giving, not something that God commanded, ordained, or required. So the question is not what our history tells us, but what the Bible tell us? Go back with me. Here we go. Genesis chapter 4. You're going to f- turn with me. And I may go quickly at some of this because I'm limited in time. But Genesis chapter 4. Look at verses 1 through verse 4. Genesis 4, beginning in verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore a son, Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought a firstborn of his flock, of his fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings. But for Cain and his offering, he had not re- no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. You know the story. Here's the question. Was that offering by command? Is there anything in this text that tells us that the Lord required an offering? No. But what it does reveal, if you're going to give an offering, there's a certain type of offering that you can give. It's only an animal sacrifice. He doesn't accept the, hand, the work of the hands. It's not required. It was voluntary. God didn't tell him how much or what to do, but He did require that if it was going to happen, it was going to be an animal sacrifice. Number two, Genesis chapter 8. Turn over to Genesis 8. Noah. Floods happen. Water's receded. Noah gets out. What's the first thing he does? We find in chapter 8 verse 20, And Noah built an ark to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered a burnt offering on the altar. Question, is that a required offering? Anything in the text tells us that God required that offering. No. Anything in the text requires the, what it had to be. No. Well, what was this offering? It was an expression of thanksgiving and gratitude for the Lord, for His protection. Let me tell you something. If you'd have been on that ship, that boat, and God had rescued you, what would have been your response when you got off? Right? Yeah, this is them. They're offering this out of voluntary. No, no percentage method he gave it what was in his heart to give as a thanksgiving offering of gratitude voluntarily to the Lord. Genesis chapter 12. Keep going. Genesis 12. Genesis 12. Talking about Abram. In verse 7, then, Abram, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give the land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Required? Nothing in there is required. Nothing required of what it was supposed to be? But out of the joy and gratitude and the... Th- you think that you have been chosen by Yahweh to be the very family that he's going to bless the world with. What kind of offering would you give? Right? This is out of joy, out of gratitude, out of thrill. No command, no amount, no percentage mentioned, but an offering to the Lord. Verse 13 as well. Oh, that's not where I want to go. Oh, chapter 13. That's what I want. I can't read my own reading. Chapter 13, verse 18. Chapter 13, verse 18. And so Abram moved his tent, came and settled at Merah, which at, the, at Hebron, and there built an altar to the Lord. Again, no requirement, just from the heart out of gratitude. Again, no tent mentioned yet. Words not appear. Chapter 14 is the first mention. Chapter 14, look at verses 18 and following and just to lay up if you look at the beginning parts of chapter 14 you see what's happened Lot's been taken captive and Abram and his men go rescue him Okay. He, we find out that he actually went to war with five kings and God gave him great victory over those five kings well he took the spoils from those kingdoms as they always do now what what's the spoils by the way you're going to come in my house you ain't going to leave with many spoils Okay. spoils doesn't mean you know, coffee filters. It, now, if you come to my house, you will find coffee if that's a trading benefit for you. Uh, but if not, okay, for Harry, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be a spoil that he'd he collect. The spoils are what? It's the best of the best, isn't it? You're going to take the gold and the and the silver and the rubies and the precious stones. You're going to take, that's what you're going to take. You're going to take the best. And so that's what Abram did. He, he took of the best. And look at verses 18, verse 18. Well, on his way back, He runs into this interesting fellow. He's the king of Salem. Which is another word for Jerusalem. He's also a priest. And his name? Melchizedek. Does that sound familiar to you? Look at verse 18. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, for he was the priest of God, the Most High, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, by God the Most High, Possessor of heaven and earth. And and blessed be God the Most High, who has delivered our enemies into his hands. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. We find out in Hebrews chapter 7, I think it is, that it was a tenth of the spoils. Was it required? No. Anything in the text say that he never did it again? No. He did it one time on his way back in praise to God for all that he had done. God had blessed him by calling him. God had blessed him by giving him victory. And he responded by giving a tenth to this guy. No command, no requirement. This is the only time recorded that he did this. Not every month. Not every week. Just once. Right here. That's it. Now, if you're going to land on the tithe, you can say, well, all I have to do is give it once. Okay? I'm afraid that is at the point. No. Missing the point again. That's the first use of the tithe. And as I said, Hebrews 7, verse 10 says, it was a tenth of the spoils that he had, the top of the heap. The best of the best. The pinnacle. Not the not the waste. It was the prize of the prize. Now, if I'm going to walk away with a principle, what that principle would that be? That when I'm going to give an offering to the Lord, what is it going to be? It's going to be right off the top. It's going to be it's going to be the best. It's going to be the, the best of the best for my Lord. Why? Because I'm, I'm trying to earn No, it's in response of love and thankfulness for all that he's done. Completely voluntary. Genesis 28. Keep turning to Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Here we find the story of, of Jacob. Now let me warn you about something. Don't use Jacob as an example of much of anything. Okay? All right? But what we find here in verses 20, chapter, chapter 28, beginning in verse 20, And Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and, if, and I'm going to read it like this, And if God will keep me in His way that I go, And if God will give me bread to eat and clothes to wear, So that I can again come to my father's house in peace, Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone I will set up for a pillar shall be at the house, and all that I give, I'll give you a full tenth to you. What is that? That's a bribe. God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. And let me tell you something. Jacob was not worried about the ten percent. He was more concerned about the ninety percent. His heart was not with the Lord. He's bribing the Lord. God, you do this for me, and I'll do this for you. Trying to buy God's blessings. Hmm. Well, then let's ask secondly, that's, that's the, the, the general issue of the, of the giving. But when we get to Moses, what about the required giving? And I'm going to give you these texts as we walk through them, rather than turning to all of them, but I want you to see it. Giving that is proportionate, how we're to give is genera, gener, generally generously proportionately sacrificially voluntarily is there any required giving in the bible well yes we find in the first one is in genesis 41 verses 33 and 34 and it was set up by joseph and there there was a basically a tax because god had revealed that they were going to have seven years of of greatness and then seven years of famine and what did joseph say We're, we're going to we're going to set aside a 20% so that we'll have stuff to feed ourselves with in the lean times. One-fifth. Well, what was it for? It was for the welfare of the nation. It was for support of the nation. In fact, in chapter 47, verse 24, it talks about you can keep four-fifths of it. You get to keep four-fifths, but 20% of it, this is not an offering to the Lord. This This is going to Egypt. This is where this is. This is where free will giving is voluntary, directed towards God, required giving in this text in chapter 40, was not directed towards God, it was directed towards the government. Well, What about from Moses to Jesus? What about giving according to the law? Turn to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 27. And I'm going to start you off and then I'm just going to give you the text here. Leviticus 27, Leviticus 27. Verse 30, And every tithe of the land, whether of seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord, it is holy to the Lord. It's the Lord's tithe. It belonged to the Lord, a tenth of the seed, the tenth of everything. Well, according to Numbers, chapter 18, verses 21 and 24, where did this stuff go? What was its purpose? Its purpose was to fund the Levites, right? The priestly tribe. What was their jobs? They were to operate the temple. They were to lead the nation. This is a theocracy, not a democracy. God, a theocracy is God is king, but He has people under Him that exercise His will out to the nations. Who was that? That was the tribe of Levi. You also realize that the tribe of Levi had no support. They had no. They couldn't be given land. They weren't to have jobs. Where were they, Where was all this to come from? Where was their living to come from? It was to come from this tithe that was giving to them. No land, no jobs. You could actually say they were the government. They ran the nation. This 10% was a nation tax, if you want to put it that way. It was to fund the tribe of Levi. So this first requirement was for the leaders of the nation. And by the way, Malachi 3.8, this also mentioned how have you robbed of the Lord. This is part of it. You've robbed me of these things that that I've required of you. The second type we find in Deuteronomy. Chapter 12. Turn over there with me very quickly. Deuteronomy 12, verses 10 and 11. But when you go over into Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance, and when He gives you rest for all of the enemies around you so that you can live in safety... Then to take place that the Lord your God will choose and to make your name dwell, there shall be to bring all I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your contributions that you present and all of your finest vow vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. Look at verse 17 and 18. You shall not eat within the towns of the tithe of the grain, or of your wine, or of your oil, or the firstborn of your herd, or your flock, or any of your vow offerings that you vow, or your freewill offerings, or the contributions that you present. But you shall eat before them before the Lord your God, in the place that the Lord your God will choose. You and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, and the Levites who are within their towns. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all that you undertake. God is ordaining all sorts of festivals and feasts and national celebrations and ceremonies like the Passover. How's that going to happen? How are you going to feed all these people? That tithe was for that purpose. It was for the nation, if you want to put it that way. It was for community. Now, let me paint a picture for you right here real quick. In our budget that you're going to get shortly... There's basically two things in our budget. One, you're taking care of the elders, and two, we take care of community. Who do you think pays the light bill? Who pays the rent? That cup of coffee you're gonna drink. Who provided that? We do as a community. Who provides the plates that you can eat off of? Yes, the food comes from you, but who provides the plates and the forks? We do as community. We use part of that. The books that are out there, many of them given by one donor, but we buy books. Why? Because we give them to people to be a part of community, to help them. That's where that goes. Well, the same thing was here. MacArthur called it to support the religious feast. It was to pay for potluck. He put it that way. So that's two tithes. If you're saying, I only have to give 10%, no, that's not true. If you're going to go by the Old Testament, we're up to 20%. That's the way you want to go. We can go that way, but we're not finished. There was a third tithe. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, I'm just going to give it to you. You can look it up later, verses 28 through 29. There was a third tithe that was given every third year. So you could say three and a third every year till you gave the 10%. What was it for? It was for the support of the poor. You want to add it up? 23 and a third percent. And actually it doesn't stop there because you had to give of the first fruits of your increase. The first harvest that comes off, that also belongs to the Lord. And so Piper and others said, I think the giving is more like is what they're giving. That's not all. Nehemiah chapter 10 verses 32 and 33 talks about a temple tax that's to be given. Leviticus chapter 19 verses 9 and 10 talk about a profit tax. You remember if you've got a field you're not to harvest what? Corners. Who are they for? It's for the poor. You also find in that text that if you drop something on the ground, you can't pick it up. Why? Because that's also for the poor. What's the Lord doing? He's taking care of the poor. You start adding all of this up, we're way past 10%. So if you want to go by the tithe, we can go that way if you want to. But we're way yonder past 10%. The required giving, the taxation to support the institution that God had made. 23 to third 10 plus 10 plus 3 at the corners of the fields the gleanings the the shekel third shekel the rent of the land oh by the way your land has to stay dormant every 7 years what about that one so for after 7 years the land you have no income land has to rest Hmm. Turn to Exodus 25 real quick. Exodus 25. So we're going to talk about required giving. It's fine. We can go that way. But it's not 10%. More like 25%. Do we find, here's the question, do we find voluntary giving in the Old Testament? Or was it all restrictive? Well, we saw already that Abram and uh, Cain and Abel and others gave an offering that was not required of them to give. But or do we find voluntary giving? Well, in Exodus chapter 25, we do. I find a couple of them. Exodus, what did I say, 25? Look at verses 1 and 2. And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that take from me a contribution from every man notice whose heart moves him circle that it's not required the heart's got to move him and you shall receive a contribution from me and this contribution that you shall receive from them shall be gold and silver and bronze and you can read the rest of the list there huh what was that for it was for the sanctuary wasn't it yeah or turn over to first Chronicles chapter twenty nine. First Chronicles twenty-nine. And I won't read of this all of this, but chapter twenty-nine verses one through through nine talks about David taking up offerings for the temple that Solomon's going on. Give. Okay. What's interesting, back to the Exodus one, what's interesting is they gave so much that they had to tell them to stop giving. Yeah. We can't take anymore, guys. It's, it's beyond beyond us. Let me read a quote from MacArthur. So you want to give to the Lord, he says. Give Him the best. Give Him the first. Give Him off the top. The first that comes in. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know how the rest of the crop will be. All the more reason to give Him the first fruit because it's an act of faith. You're giving God what you have and you're believing Him for what you don't have. You're giving God all the oil and all the best of the oil, all the best of the crop, all the best, all the first fruits, and God promises, "I'll make your harvest increase." So the first things was first fruits, and the first crop comes in. Take the best of it and give it to the Lord. No fixed amount, no frequency. It's for those that know me. I struggle with this one. It's free will. Okay, it's whatever. There's no there's no restrictions on you. Give whatever. And if you give me the first fruits off the top before even know how much it's going to be, if you'll trust me, much I'll bring your harvest in. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your presses will burst with new wine. MacArthur says this, and we need this you cannot outgive God. You believe that? You can't do it. Give and it will be given to you. So bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. You can't outgive God. You honor the Lord with your substance. You give Him the first fruits. You give Him the best. You give it to Him off the top. He'll bring in the rest. Honor the Lord in that way with the first fruits. Your barns and your presses would be bursting, God promises. So, how are we to give? When we give it from the heart, voluntarily, spontaneously, the best first fruits. Remember, God said to His people through His prophet Malachi how disgusted He was with them because they were—they brought Him animals that He brought that were blind animals and lame animals. Terrible! He brought Him the worst. They gave God what they wouldn't eat, and they wouldn't use to reproduce. They gave God the lame and the maimed and the blind animals, the worst animals they had, and they kept the best for themselves, and therefore they forfeited God's blessings. And they brought God's judgment upon themselves. Proverbs 11 verse 24. You don't have to turn to that unless you want to. Proverbs 11 verse 24. My voice is about gone. One who gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he shall give. And only sufferers want. The first fruits is an act of faith. This is the way that God wanted it, his children to live. They gave because they loved him. They gave because they believed in him. They, believed, they gave because they trusted him. They wanted to say thank you from their heart. As I mentioned back in Exodus, Exodus 25, again, that verses 1 and 2, no percentage, give whatever you want, no requirement, no campaign, no posters going up, no no graph on it, just give what you want. No pledge card signed, nope. They gave out of a generous heart. Their heart was stirred, it says in verses 21 and 22 of Exodus 35, also in 26 and 29. They gave a free will offering to the Lord. No requirement, no law, no percentage, no restriction. Free will, whatever your heart tells you, that's what you're to give. And as I said, find out in Exodus 20, 36, too much can't take it all. You ever heard a church say that? I haven't either. Another long quote here I want to read to you. And we'll close this up. Tithing was required giving, but it's required giving in the form of taxation to fund the national government in the theocracy that God had set up. The three tithes took care of the government salaries, the social life of the nation, and the welfare system. Tithes were not gifts to the Lord. They were gifts to support the nation. When it came to giving to God, there was no amount, whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, from the heart. Free will giving was purely voluntary and personally motivated by thankfulness to God and His love for Him. Let me say it again. Free will giving is primarily voluntary and personally motivated by thankfulness to God and love for Him. Pay your taxes and give God whatever your heart tells you. And that's what happened in the Old Testament for Moses and that's what happened in the New to Christ. He gave what was required and paying your taxes and beyond that you gave God whatever your heart told you to give. What did Jesus say? Render to Caesar what? Things that are Caesar and the things to God, the things that are God. What do you mean? Give God whatever your heart tells you to give Him. And that's why when we come to Macedonians, you don't hear anything about an amount. And if you go to Romans thirteen, it says verse seven, I think it's verse seven, pay your taxes, tribute to whom tribute is due, tax whom tax, pay what is required. Beyond that, free will giving is whatever you want, no amount, no stipulation as your heart is moved to do so. Uniquely we have the opportunity according to 1 Corinthians 16 to do it every week on the first day of the week as we gather together. But it's free will giving. The tithe has nothing to do with it. I'll say this to you. Salvation is solely of grace, isn't it? All of grace. And in salvation God is completely capable of without us to save people. But He invites us to be a part of the salvation spread of the gospel. Doesn't he? In fact, the very means in which He uses to reveal His elect is through the preaching of the Word. We can't, we can't avoid that. He guarantees giving, but it's still by grace. His Word has the power to save. It's through His Word. And we simply just let it out. Let the Word of God do what it does. Is giving any different than that? It's from the heart. God is completely capable of stirring your heart to give. Now I stand here as one dependent on your giving to pay my salary. Just I'm putting it blunt with you. But I'm telling you, you don't have to tithe. Now the way I think of this is this. Listen, if they gave twenty percent under law what should I give under grace that's the question God is completely capable of stirring your heart to give and he can do it with or without us listen in our giving to southern Africa has not God proven that over and over again the outside sources that continue to send us checks for that there's no way we could do that by ourselves And God has said, listen, you you be obedient, I'll supply it. And how how can we not say, Wow, look at what the Lord's done? Over listen, for you visiting with us, over a half a million dollars in five years. Yes, I said a half a million dollars. Unsolicited. Well, maybe I begged a little. But in our giving, God has chosen that we are to be a part of his plan. And so he stirs our heart to give. We give proportionately. Listen, some some of you can give six figures, seven figures, I don't. Some of you can't give more than one. We're just to give according to what we have. But we're to give it willingly, joyfully, liberally, generously, sacrificially, with eagerness to give. Verse four begging us to give him the best right off the top, the first, the best. What kind of treasure are you laying up? Bob read Matthew six. Lay you not up treasures on earth where moss and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal and Bernie Madoff takes all of your retirement but laid up in heaven some of us can, cannot give much we give according to what we have you can't give what you don't have some could give much but it's not an issue of how much you have it's an issue of the heart are you seeking first His kingdom or yours? You know, for the lost, we, we pray for a burden for the lost, don't we? Especially when they end up having your last name. You want to get a burden for lost people? Let one of them be from your household. You'll pray for the lost like you never have. And you'll understand the burdens that people sitting on the pew carry. And you'll pray and you'll pray that you get a bird for lost people, right? God give me a give me let me see people like you see them. I pray every day God would let me see people like Brian sees people. Burden for people. I pray that God would give me a, a passion for sinners. God, help me to be an instrument of your your grace to take the gospel to dying people. We pray that God would send forth laborers. If I can't go, Lord, that you would send forth laborers into your harvest. We know your harvest is white unto harvest. Lord, please send forth laborers. Listen, I'm praying that God send forth laborers from here into the harvest. Pray like that. But do we ever pray, Lord, help me to give as a priority of my life? Lord, give me a passion to give. Lord, give me a burden to give. Lord, help me to lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Help me to love the world less and your kingdom more. Help me to give you the first, the best, the right off the top, to live by faith and not by sight? Is that our passion? Truth be done, I'm afraid we would rather be told a percentage to give because we don't have to think about it. I think we'd rather have a percentage than to say that I need to give and judge my love for the Lord and His work according to what I give. How about that? Listen, giving, giving is first of all driven by grace. God's got to do it. But if you ever sat before this and maybe laid a checkbook on top of it, or your debit card or whatever that is, and say, Lord, it's yours. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Will you give whatever he wants me to give? That's a better question. So, well, you've gone to preaching into meddling now. Yeah. That's it. Practical Christian living gets in your pocketbook. Do we do that? Do we give in difficult circumstances? Do we give mm-hmm. out of the depth of joy? we're going to get to 2 Corinthians 9, God loves a hilarious giver. A joy to give. We give out of singleness of heart. We give within our ability, but we also give beyond our ability. What we talked about today, it's, it's not by percentage. It's by voluntary. Here am I, send me. Here am I, use my money that you gave me. For what do we have that we did not receive from the Lord? It's all His, right? I didn't say this quote, but I'll read it to you. But I'll say it now. Show me your checkbook. And I'll show you your heart. Same thing with me. All of us like that. So if you want to tithe, that's fine. About 25%. You want to do it by law. It's not required. Give out of the abundance of your heart. Pray and ask the Lord to touch your heart. Lord, show me what you want me to do. And I'll do it. And I'll put it first. Right off the top. It's yours. Father, we thank you for the toughness of the text. Father, in a way, we would rather we'd rather have ten things we're supposed to do because we can judge our righteousness then, much like the Pharisees. And it's easy math. I mean, ten percent. Oops, we found out today it's not ten percent. Father, I hope that's not what we heard. I hope we heard we give because our hearts are stirred. give because we, we can't repay you, Lord, for what you've done. There's no way. This is not about repaying you. This is out of, just out of love. And the desire to see other people saved and God's, God's people and taken care of and elders so that they can function and community and missions. Lord, how much of that am I a part of? not an amount it's not a percentage it's from the heart Lord as much as we have a burden for souls we need you to burden us for souls help us to see lost people like you see them Father help us to see our checkbook like you see it our resources Help us to give in a way that pleases and honors You, glorifies You. Lord, there's no reason that You loved us before the foundation of the world other than grace. We praise You. Rejoice in what You've done. May that kind of love motivate us to give like we've never given before. Are we laying up treasures on earth earth, or are we laying up treasures in heaven? That's the question. Lord, I pray for a work of your Spirit in all of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.